He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 109 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm James Richardson and I'm joined this week by Barry O'Hanrahan. Hey Barry. Hey James, good to be back. Uh, sorry for the slightly late recording this week. Uh, just due to personal circumstances, we haven't been able to get it out until Friday. But we have a lot of golf to talk about over the next 45 minutes or so. And if anybody has any views or opinions... You can get us on our Twitter handle, which is at PodcastGTS, and the email is a goodtalkspoiled at gmail.com. Any opinions or views on the show, let us know. So I suppose we have to start by congratulating Barry, who has now formally uh, become a single handicap golfer after a superb third place in the President's Prize on Saturday in Glen of the Downs, and is now currently off officially 9.3 so congratulations Barry. Thank you very much uh, really happy took took a long time from when uh, you know it was a realistic uh, target but um, yeah really good to happen early in the season kind of gives me plenty of time to work on it maybe try get hopefully try get a little bit lower. Um, last year you got down to 9.5 I think it wobbled was. a little bit and, uh, and then went back out rather than go, going continued it down so it was nice to kind of break through a little bit um, this year into the into the nines, um, solidifying now the, the the first priority or what's the uh, what's the new target for the year? I'm not. I'd, let me see. New target. I have to. I have to aim aim for seven. I really do. Um, if I miss that and end up at eight, then that's I still consider that really good. If I can, if if I end up finishing the season at nine, I think that'll be a really good achievement after having got there because I think it's. So having talked to other people, it seems like it's easy to slip back. So um, I'm not. Uh, I'm going to continue doing what I have been doing. Not focus on scores. Just focus on playing. You know, a, a good shot. You know, get the pleasure out of a successful shot. And if you, if I can focus on the execution and getting good shots, the scores will take care of themselves. So I think um, don't really change too much about what I've done to get here. <clears throat> Especially in the last few weeks, I've started hitting the ball quite well. Um, haven't been swinging at full power at 100 percent we've actually kind of pulled it back to what we should be doing uh, as uh, as golfers and uh, it all seems to be coming along quite well so uh, yeah it was really really good the last couple of uh, competition rounds have been pretty good uh had 12 greens in regulation and that, that helps a lot i think that's an area that the two of us if we can get those up makes life an awful lot of you know save an awful lot of shots for us we, we're both reasonably good putters so we're not going to well, well, sorry. For the most part, uh, but um, that's that's the place where we're we're going to save a lot of shots is in the long game. If we can tidy that up, then and you have an average putting range, which I happen to have the other day, uh, we're going to end up with pretty good scores. So I shot seventy eight. I was seven over. Uh, I I missed two two footers and also a three footer. Rolled the ball over the edge on two or three holes. I I played the greens. I just didn't quite get the proper perfect speed in that day I was getting the ball to roll dead to the hole but I wasn't getting it rolling at the hole rolling past the hole so I did two or th- I remember two or three putts that were 
going into the hole, but they came up two foot short. So that's just not good enough. And um, that's just me not adjusting to what they were doing on the day. But overall, uh, it was a fairly stretch. Well, sorry, there was a couple of wobbles around, a couple of bad swings on par threes that cost me doubles. And uh, a really poor double on 15 when I was green, when I was um, level with the green in two, which is a par five, and uh, just didn't commit to a pitch shot. So to get it on the green, I ended up making double after going to a bunker. So just little errors, but shooting 78 a couple of years ago, we would have been thinking, oh, is God, that, am I maxing out here? But is that your lowest round ever? Off the blues in competition, possibly, yeah. Certainly one that I remember. Um, I think we've, I've gone lower off the whites, but that's, I can't really... We can't the only, the only reason I, I, I say it is because I know that my low score in Glen of the Downs is, is, is a 78, and as I, I thought yours lowest was 79, but that's, that, that's only... But interestingly, looking at the game golf, and we've been using these now for the last couple of weeks, and the interesting thing is that for, from looking at your score just as last week, you know, uh, 38% fairways um, in regulation, 67% in greens in regulation, two putts a hole, and 17% scrambling. And, you know, the interesting thing you say there about the greens in regulation being so important, when I look at my score, and I, I, I had an all right round last week other than the putting, I actually, tee to green wasn't too bad. But the problem I had was, you know, well, I blew up on 18, but that that was just, I didn't care at that stage. But I had, you know, I'm somewhere between the, the, the top 40s and low 50s in fairway and regulations. But the problem I'm finding is that I'm kind of maxing out at kind of 45, 50% green in regulation. So I have an imbalance there. I seem to be, when I look at game golf and I look at comparing myself to, to other people and to what... I should be if I was playing off scratch or if I was playing off a kind of a 5 or a 10 handicap. I have pretty good stats other than the green and regulation. Mm. Um, and I'm just not getting the ball past, past the hole either. So, you know, it's interesting looking at, you know, where you were last week. The green and regulations is just, you know, it's, it's, a, super, it's a super high at 61, 62% which makes life an awful lot easier if you're not having as strong a, a putting round as you feel you didn't have, mm. you know, with two putts a hole, you know, what's that, 36. So you're probably looking at realistically wanting to shave three, four, maybe three or four at yeah. least off that. And uh, on a really, really good day, you might be down at kind of 29, 30 putts. Yeah. Um, so it could have been, you know, so that in itself... You know, was was the fairway accuracy? You know, was that something you felt on the round? Was it kind of a low thirty eight? Was it there was or was a, it yeah, just was, off the fairways? There were a couple. There was one particularly bad miss in eleven where I pushed it well right and it was in the junk and I could only hack it out about twenty yards. So that was a really poor tee shot. Just uh, bad focus at the last second. But overall, I, like the drive, I hit the tee shots quite well. When I missed, I was in good spots in the, the you know in, in the light rough and. Uh, you know, obviously played pretty good shots to to get, you know, for not being on the fairway. The irons were just going very, very nicely that day. Um, everything felt pretty good. The couple of wobbly swings, we'll uh, fix those. That's a mental error rather than a, a swing error. So, uh, yeah, no, looking forward to, you know, the next round, the next round, the next round, and to try to keep doing more of the same stuff. And if the thing I was really happy about was that 
immediately I said, right, I've missed three putts within three inside three foot. There's three strokes that can come off that. Now I've got a 75 there. Two horrendous swings on par threes where even if you play them averagely like we, you know, we can, you should be making a bogey there on those holes. There's another two strokes there. So there's, there's five strokes straight away. I could be down to a 73 there. So I see lots of room for shooting a lower score. Uh, I, knew, I knew after quite, you know, running down you know, on 15, say, I knew I was on a really good score. And uh, there's a little bit of, not fear, but there's a little bit of having, being able to just manage that situation and know that I'm on a great score here and, and not be afraid of it, just kind of embrace the challenge and just, just keep doing what you're doing and forget about the score and just focus on each shot as a, an individual challenge, play it as best as you can in the circumstances. And, yeah. One of the things uh, I, I have to say I, I love about the game golf system, not just the stats, but the interaction that you get mm. from people. And, and if you are on the game golf system um, and you've downloaded the app or you have one of the tagging systems, do follow us and we'll follow you back. And uh, it's great to have some feedback through that. Uh, you know, Mark Sheehan and uh, Claude Orenstein uh, were chatting to me over the course of the, uh, the week where I put up some you know i put the round up and you know i i, I kind of said look putting i was you know a bit disappointed with the amount of putts that i had last week again and uh was there any uh any suggestions and uh got some great uh suggestions back um you know in in terms of what i should be looking at and i've actually taken that on board and i've I found a guy who uses the sam system for for putters and uh looking at your putting stroke over at leopardstown so over the next couple of weeks I'm going to have a, maybe go out to him if, if it doesn't improve. And that's based on the interaction that we're getting. Because mm. I, I didn't even realize there was such a system. And not only that, but then was able to find it in Dublin. So if people are able to uh, get onto the game golf system, you don't need the tags. Just download the app, use it, and uh, follow us. We'll follow you. And it's, it is great to, to watch people's rounds from around the world. It is, um, the, yeah, the interaction after the rounds is good fun. I um, enjoy that a lot. So uh, it's it's great it's great being able to see a, a more detailed level of insight into people's rounds rather than just a score or there's the list of scores they had for the eighteen holes. We get to go in and see it a bit more. And well, I love actually watching. You know, I go through each of the holes that they've played yeah. and, and following where they were and so on. So it's it is it's really interactive. It's a really good system. And um, we move to uh, to an away day this Saturday. So. Uh, won't be any handicap changes on that, um, no. as it's a three three person rumble. I think. Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of it's. A, I'm not sure about this format. I mean, it's it's good fun, but on an away day, you kind of want to just play. I wouldn't mind just playing my own cards, but it is what it is. And um, we go out. It's yourself, myself, and Dad, and the three of us. You know, it's best two scores from the three of us on every hole. So yeah, uh, a little bit of teamwork and talk required. To, yeah, so. To, to, to see how we get on and uh, I'm going to play Sunday because I want to try and get a, a, a an actual competition round in um, the more times you throw the darts the more hopeful I am of hitting a 180 but uh, we'll give it a go on Sunday and see so follow us on, on the game golf system and you'll be able to see before next week's show how we're getting on on, the, on our own game I'll be off out to the K Club to watch the Irish Open on Sunday see, uh, see how the big boys do it well, that's it. You might pick up a few uh, hints and tips by watching them. Um, I would say one of the big differences over the last couple of weeks is your temperament, perhaps, on the course. Is mm. that that is uh, even when you're having a, a bad hole, the uh, the ability to kind of forget about it. Um, you said to me a couple of weeks ago when I kind of said you needed to to address that bit that you had read a few bits online and 
you had made a conscious decision to to try and let stuff go, especially after looking at a few of the pros where they were starting with a couple of doubles and still able to finish you know really really strongly so yeah we see this every week on tour like the the commentators always say they say it's amazing how many good rounds start with a, a poor early first hole or a bad first hole or a bad second hole i don't know that they just get on with it um yeah the temperament's been good just let like there's nothing you can do about a bad shot it's gone so i've tried to tried to get on top of that a little bit better and um, it seems to be working so i'm not going to change that anytime soon so look, let's look at some of the news um, ahead that, that kind of has taken place over the course of the weekend. We're going to keep it local for 30 seconds, which is that Christy O'Connor Sr. passed away at the age of 91. He would be the uncle of Christy O'Connor Jr., who sadly passed away last January. And I suppose for people who are in Ireland, the Christy O'Connor name is synonymous with golf in this country. And really, we're trailblazers for Irish golfers and uh, you know I think it only took this week and last to hear the likes of your Rory McIlroy's and your Graham McDowell's and Darren Clark's Park Harrington's all these guys that are household names to everybody just talk about how important Chrissy O'Connor Sr. and Chrissy O'Connor Jr. but that the family of the O'Connors were to golf and, and Barry you, you, you were looking back at some of the, um, the, the wonderful achievements that Chrissy O'Connor uh, Sr had achieved over the course of his uh, his career. Yeah, I mean, he was slightly limited in his ability to play on a wider international scale. Like, had he been around these days, he would have been able to play over and play the PGA Tour, been playing the US Open, the Masters and such. But, in, you know, not in spite of that, but in, in the situation he found himself in, he had a phenomenal record. He won more than 20 tournaments on the British and Irish circuit, which was the precursor to the European Tour. He finished in the top 10 of the British Open 10 times, that's that's a spectacular achievement. The Open that's a, Championship. The Open Championship, Chris. <laughs> there we go. Um, I'm such a stickler for that. Good call. Bobby, um, Bob, Bobby is uh, spinning uh, in, <laughs> in California right now. Uh, yeah, so I mean, and that's across obviously the, the wide variety of courses they have on the Open Road. So that shows what a super talent he was. Uh, he played in ten, on 10 Ryder Cup teams, which is was a record that was only surpassed by Nick Faldo in 1997. And he won the British Masters in 1956 and 59. And he he also won six PGA Championships between 1976 and 1983. It was, it was just a, a landmark figure in the game of golf in Ireland. Um, Darren Clark referred to him as the father of Irish golf uh, in his tribute there uh, last week. So um, somebody that really changed the game for the better in this country. And uh, very sad to see him go. But that's a, a great old innings at 91 years old and... Uh, yeah. yeah, we'll be forever grateful to and, him here. And I suppose, uh, you know, in, in this context, you're more than happy to break 90, you know, on the wrong side of 90. Yeah. Uh, so, look, we, we pass on our condolences to the O'Connor family. And uh, we uh, we hope that this, for people who might be abroad and have maybe never heard of Chrissy O'Connor Sr., you know, it, it just... It just kind of there is a lot of names in the game from old days that people might not recognise, and just such an influential figure in, in Irish golf, which has perhaps allowed the likes of the Rorys and the Darren Clarks and the Poor Carringtons, etc., to to be able to trail a blaze over um, over on tours around the world. So look, moving on, and uh, we'll keep it slightly local in the Ryder Cup. And Darren Clark has uh, suggested, similar to I suppose last time out where Alex Ferguson was drafted in by Paul McGinley, 
Darren Clark is a huge Liverpool fan and is looking at bringing in Jurgen Klopp, the Liverpool manager and German uh, manager that he was going to uh, ask to come and give a, a pep talk to the Ryder Cup team this year um, and to look at how he manages things. And, 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 you know, this is kind of now become very much the blueprint of the European team to mm. try and get a name of that type in. And uh, I think it's a good idea, Barry. What do you think? I think it's a brilliant idea. He's also talking about maybe getting Alex Ferguson, Paul O'Connell and Clive Woodward, the, the ex-England rugby coach, in as well. I think it's a brilliant idea because... Golf is such a it's a very different sport from these team sports in that these team events in professional level golf happen once every two years in, in, in uh, being the Ryder Cup. So the captain of the team won't have that managerial experience on you know on an ongoing basis. So to bring in these guys from the top of their games in other sports to bring their um, knowledge and um, expertise in is a brilliant thing, and we saw how much it helped us last time round. And I think um, you know we'll we'll talk in much greater detail over the next number of weeks. I've no doubt with the Ryder Cup and Ryder Cup points becoming much more relevant than perhaps they are at this time. But um, the interesting thing is that uh, I, I was listening during the week to a radio station, and they were talking about the way Darren Clark and they were in talk, talking about Jurgen Klopp potentially being asked to come and give a chat to the players. And the point that they were making was that Darren Clark really is using a very similar blueprint that um, Paul McGinley used and, mm-hmm. and that this really seems to be it's working for the European team and the RNA or the European Tour have now decided that maybe this is the way that all captains in the future and when you look at the shambles that's been going on in the United States perhaps they need to realise that actually having a formula and working towards it mm-hmm. and tweaking to the personality of the, 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 the captain is a good idea, but actually having a uniformed idea yeah. as to how they're going to go about it. Going out to Asia, being the captain out there, getting to know some of the younger lads and playing a lot of the European tour, trying to play with the players that he wants to have a look at close hand. Yeah, what, what McGinley know. did was superb. I mean, and we talked about it at the time and the, the level of detail and intricacy he went into every single aspect of it. Was, Down uh, to the goldfish. Oh, yeah, it really was. I mean, that's how that's how in depth he went into it. But he's really laid out a template that can be you know tweaked and adjusted, like you said, to the individual uh, personality of each captain. And uh, yeah, I don't think we should stray too far from it. And it doesn't appear that Darren is. Um, he sees what Paul did and said, "Look, that's great. That's 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 giving us a great chance for success." If I stick largely close to that, so uh, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully we'll have a great old battle uh, later on in the year and maybe take home the trophy. Well, let's uh, let's turn our last bit of attention to, I suppose, the story of the week and the decision by the gentleman of the Edinburgh uh, Gentlemen's Club, more commonly known as Murfield Golf Club, who rejected, not by a fairly small margin, but a, a relatively large majority in the end, voted against allowing females become members and straight away, within minutes of the announcement of that result, the RNA have announced that uh, Muirfield will be removed off the rota for the Open Championship and will not be um, considered until such time as they overturned that decision, in effect. Now, I suppose there's been a lot of conversation this week at the Irish Open and at various other events about this decision by Muirfield. And... 
the members have decided it's 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 I think 250 years old or thereabouts they've decided against it that's their prerogative is it the right decision by the RNA to remove it Barry any views that you have in relation to it is this the right decision is this right for the game is it time that Muirfield you know just realise that you know public opinion is against them on this and, mm. and they need to or do the members have a right to say no this is this is us yeah that's the consequence it won't be on the open road but it's our club we do what we want and if the consequences are we don't have another open championship here until we change it then so be it per the rules of their club they're entitled to do it they had to get a two thirds majority I think they missed out by about 14, 15 votes or so uh, thereabouts there's still a lot, you know, still over 200 members there voted against allowing women members, and uh, it's just it's an archaic thing. I think personally, they need to just get rid of it and just get it through. Um, but those are the rules of their club, and th- that was the way the vote went. And I think the RNA were absolutely right with, to do within minutes just to throw it out there and just say no, this is this is you know you're off the road, and I think they're perfectly right to do it flex their muscles as the the body that governs golf here in in Britain and Ireland. Um, well done. It'll be disappointing that Muirfield isn't on the open rota. I hope they overturn that decision in the next year or two. It, it wouldn't have been there for another few years. I would like to see it back there because it is a great golf course and so many people say it is one of probably the best open championship course. Well, there's a debate as to whether or not it's actually the best links course in the world. Um, But I suppose that the the way that I suppose you see it here is that this is the right decision by the RNA to take. I think they should come out and say this isn't being taken lightly. This is because the policy of the RNA now is very much that only courses that are gender equality is there and that equality of golf isn't about just, you know, men's clubs or women's clubs but that no club that doesn't allow both sexes in won't be considered for any events um, Mm. on the European Tour or the Open Championship. And that if Muirfield want to reconsider it, then then fine, they'll they'll consider putting it back on. But I don't think that the RNA, and I think they've been quite clever about this, they haven't said, you know, we're putting pressure on you to change it. It's the decision they've made. Mm -hmm. The RNA just say that Muirfield now doesn't reach the criteria to which yeah. the RNA will use to host open events, which I think is a really clever way of saying they're entitled to do what they want. It's their club, mm-hmm. but they don't reach the criteria to which we would expect to be able to host our flagship event. And on that basis, you're off off the road, which yeah. I think is a very clever way of doing it. Yeah, it's a smart approach. Um, yeah, Muirfield know the situation. If the, if the members want to change and get the course back into consideration to be to host the Open Championship again or other events, they you know they'll, the, they'll, they know what they have to do. The only other aspect to this, which I I was listening to over the course of the week, and they were saying about uh, you know the the Masters have you know in Augusta have have allowed women members and other clubs, St Andrews and so on. And then you, uh, then you kind of go, gee, that's very clever, you know, very good, quite good for equality, makes sense. And then you find out that uh, the Augusta National have allowed two female members. Yeah. Um, so even, even with Muirfield making that decision, I do personally think that there's still a long way to go to have a genuine, mm. proper representation. And I think the Augusta should start looking at extending an offer to female members to a lot more than 
I think the head at IBM and Condoleezza Rice and need to start kind of really upping the numbers of, of females. I wonder uh, how, since, since the decision that was taken by Augusta to allow female members and the, the two that have been added, I wonder how many male members have been added in that time. I wonder how many members they actually add over that time. So what's the ratio? Um, I think it's, it's a generational thing. It's going to take a couple of generations, if not longer, for these old school golf clubs to fully change and become fully uh, equalised, I guess, in terms it, of membership, if ever. But it's, it's a huge long-term thing. But the, the but right, I think the right the step pressure, has been taken. Yeah, yeah, but pressure shouldn't be lost on, on trying to increase the membership all, rather no. than just opening it um, in, in, in terms of one or two people, but it needs to be opened to a lot more. The interesting thing, the, the Don't Open campaign in Muirfield had sent a letter out to members and basically said that um, allowing female members in would ruin the enjoyment of the game would ruin the traditions of their lunch and the, the food that serves in the club and really wouldn't allow them to continue the participation in the uh, cl- uh, the four ball and foursomes matches that they uh, they have going. Now, I'm still at a loss as to exactly how that uh, would be affected by allowing female members into their club, but um, if anybody from Muirfield is listening at Podcast GTS, um, I heard... Um, oh, the 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 commentator on on the national radio show here, his name Gary Murphy, mm. uh, say that he knew of a pro who went over to play Muirfield, and he went in, and he said there was a guy sitting behind a paper, one of the members, and he said to him, "Good morning, you know, it's a lovely day, you know, nice weather for a game of golf." And the guy didn't answer him, and you know, so he said it again, still no answer, and he rings the bell because there was nobody behind the bar, and this guy came, the barman comes out and. The gentleman from behind the paper lifts his head and goes, Tony, there seems to be a man here who wants to talk about the weather. At which point the pro kind of went, do you know what? If that's the kind of membership that they have, I'm not even sure the females would want to be a member Mm. of the place. You know, so um, I think, as you say, it's a generational thing and hopefully Muirfield will will change in due course. But it's the right decision by the RNA and we applaud them for that. Moving on, uh, the LPGA last week had a week off, um, so we turn our attention to the European Tour, which had the uh, Afro-Asia Bank Mauritius open at the Four Seasons Golf Club in Mauritius. It was played over the 7,401-yard par 72, and Mr. Wang won by one shot from uh, Raman. Um, and Barry, I have to admit, I didn't even realise this event was actually taking place because all my focus was on the Players' Championship. So um, it kind of stood in the sh- kind of in the shadows, a little deep in the shadows. It certainly it, did. It? it was it was a fairly um, long way down the the list of priorities for me last week. And uh, any any interesting bits or any stories coming out of it, or will we just moved to the Players' Championship. It was it, it was just a very tough week. High winds and uh, shown by the two guys, the only two guys beat par, so and there was Wang and Raman, and um, a superb performance by Wang to win back to back European Tour titles. And it was funny that we were only talking a couple of weeks ago about you know when when will the Korean men get up to the level of what the you know success of the Korean ladies have done. And this is this is a big leap for them, and it's going to give other uh, guys uh, from Korea on tour confidence to go on you know and see that they can win against these you know quality international fields so uh, yeah really impressive performance by Wang 
uh, overtook Raman on the last day. And uh, he'll, uh, he's pretty much, that's a European Tour card, locked and loaded, and we'll be seeing an awful lot more of him on the European Tour in the, in the bigger events now as well. So, yeah, so see how he stacks up against the, the, the full quality European Tour fields. Well, this is going to give him a huge amount of confidence going into the bigger, stronger fields that, that really has now started on the European Tour uh, this week with the Irish Open. So let's turn our attention to what I suppose everybody was watching last week, which was the fifth major in effect, the Players' Championship, which was being played at TPC Sawgrass in Florida. It was the 7,215-yard par 72. And after talking at length with Steve Bamford last week about players that we, we liked, I think we overlooked the world number one, who ultimately... Uh, Jason Day went wire to wire to win the Players' Championship, and it was a fairly comfortable stroll for him over the course of the, um, the 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 four days. But why did we overlook him last last week? He I, is world number one. He stretched that again. You know, he's he's gone away in the in the rankings from Jordan Spieth and Rory, and and uh, you know, over four fairly tough days out there. You know, he, he controlled the ball, controlled the course, and uh, played pretty well. But any... any Why did we miss him? I, look, I think it was a price-based thing, because he was a short price, combined with the fact that he hasn't quite, hadn't quite got the best uh, record at the players. So you put those two things together when it comes to betting, you, you kind of steer, steer away from somebody like that who's a short price and hasn't got a good record there. So, um, look, he took off. Brilliantly, like how how much better do you get than shooting sixty three on the opening day? Really, and you're and then with what he's done over the last you know eighteen months, the rest of the field are going holy crap! How are we going to catch this guy? Like you know he's just he's shot out of the blocks like a, a greyhound mixed with a racehorse with dragon wings. You know he's flown out there and he's shown the ability to just lead from the front and just stamp all over tournaments and not let anybody get a look in and. He just he just kept on going. A lot of the work, the 60s, so to put it in perspective, 63, 66, 73, 71 for a 273, 15 under. So we were in the ballpark of where we were looking at mm-hmm. score-wise last week. Um, and I suppose when you look at how he played over the course, the putter was most certainly his friend, um, held a lot of incredible putts, uh, very important putts, um, but what we always look at is that kind of, you know, keeping and, and avoiding the big, big numbers on the card, which around TPC Sawgrass has every opportunity to put big numbers on the card. Mm-hmm. And, and he really managed to, to kind of, there was a few doubles there, but nothing, nothing so bad. And even when there was doubles, he got the shots back pretty quickly. And I'm, I'm looking at the scorecard thinking kind of in and around the latter part of the third round. Uh, sorry, the, the front nine on the third round where the wobbles started to come around the kind of the sixth hole. Mm. Yeah, double six, birdied seven, double eight, birdied nine, and then birdies eleven. So he's kind of tempered off that, you know, the, the little mini uh, wobbles, like you said. Uh, and that was in round three when we'll get to it in a minute when the, the course, the characteristics of the course changed completely. And day one and two, it was just uh, it was throwing darts for these guys. They were having a field day with it and really taking uh, taking the course to task. Birdies galore. Day was set a thirty six hole scoring record of the players. He was fifteen under, 
and uh, you know there was quite a few guys uh, in the hunt behind him as well. Um, so the PGA decided. Well, we we talked about how well they can control this golf course and what they do, uh, and and the scoring on it. I think they let it go. You know, it was a bit too easy early on, and they may well they did overreact to a certain extent. Now the thing was they made changes to the course. They double cut them and double rolled them, and I think they single rolled them again after that uh, between the Friday and the Saturday. What on top of that, what happened was they got. Warm weather, sunny day, and dry, humid conditions, which doesn't always happen in Florida. And that um, added up with all the treatments they did to the greens and the cutting and the rolling, added up to the greens going unbelievably fast. I mean, some of them were guessing what they were up at 16, 17. The pins were also cut on kind of domed areas. So, you know, you had to get the ball up to the hole, but if you missed it, it was rolling five, six foot by. And we saw, like, Sergio have what, a five or a six put. It could have easily happened to anyone. And, and, and at the end of the day, you know, there was a lot of criticism um, on social media and a lot of tweets and, 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 and so on about how it was set up on the, 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 the Saturday, that it just wasn't enjoyable to watch. I have to say, I, I was completely disagreeing with that. I actually quite enjoyed Oh, I loved it. I, I have no problem. I think that when it comes to professional golf, you know, I wouldn't want to play that course on Saturday, me personally, because you know you're coming in with 120. Yeah. Um, and that's just because, and you're going to get so pissed off after two or three holes of going over and back, over and back, that you're kind of saying, here, this isn't fun. But these guys are the best in the world. These guys are meant to be the best in the world. This shouldn't be, like, you know, I think Jason Day picked up a check for, what, probably north of a million? Nearly 1.9 you know, million dollars. So 1.9 million. Like, you can't make it easy for these guys. So sometimes they're going to have to. Mm-hmm. And, and that tests not just their putting or their short game or the other, but it tests their mental game, which is, in my opinion, because there's such a fine line between these players when it comes to ball striking or the short game. or You know, they're, it, it's wafer thin. So you have to test the other attributes and the mental game is the other attribute. And some people, like Jason Day, on Saturday, did really, really well, put a very good score together in tough conditions. Mm-hmm. Other people totally capitulated and ended up with massive numbers. 78, 79. I think the average score for the day was like 75 or 76. It was really, really high. It was over, I think it was 75 and a half. But there was a score out there. If you, like you said, stay patient you know, took to the challenge and figured out the golf course. There is a way to beat every golf course. And no more so than Ken Duke's round, which is probably going to go down as one of the rounds of the year. Some players are saying one of the best rounds they've ever seen. He shot 65 on a day when the average score was more than 10 shots higher than that. Stunning round of golf. And uh, not the longest player on tour. And off he went and he picked the course apart. I mean, Matsuyama shot 67. Graham McDowell, a great battler. There's an example of a guy we know can battle in the toughest conditions when... You know, things are really, really, really difficult. And he stepped up and put in a 69 that day. A really good week for Graham, actually. He's been a little bit off the boil for you know, a while now. He finished in uh, inside the top 10. Really good week. Shot 69-69 on the weekend when it was difficult. And, and in just, fact, he probably is cursing the start of the, 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 yes. the competition that he had where they were throwing, you know, the ball like darts um at pins, and he he only managed the seventy two seventy on the first two days. Mm-hmm. Where when we look at other players like Shane Lowry, for instance, and then Rory McIlroy, you know they were getting you know um, I think on the Thursday Shane uh, Lowry ended up 
getting the course record for um, I think uh, for the twenty seven back, back nine. Yeah, Rory, Rory McIlroy goes and does it again on the on the on the Friday. So there was definitely scores there for the first two days. Um, you know, but as as a tournament, you know, a lot of, of, of big names were were there. Guys that we would know, the likes of the Jason Day, Matt Kuchar had a good week. Um, you know, Molinari likes this course, played well again. Graham McDowell. And um, I have to say, I was very you know pleased to see Alex Cheka back up there after uh, after going off to the web.com, winning there, coming back. Mm. You know, it's 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 good to see a player like that. But again, look at the top fifteen. Adam Scott, Rory McIlroy, Ritiv Gibson, Boo Weekly. There was a lot of good names up there. Justin Rose, just inside the top uh, 20. So, no, no Jordan Speed, Mr. Cut. No. Uh, he's been a bit off, the, been a bit ropey and off the ball recently. and um, The course was in an easy shape to, for him to have a chance to you know, just ride, ride the ship. You know, he's actually taken off quite well in the tournament this week, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But, you know, there were some big names around you know, that you know, didn't, didn't really show up there at all. But if we talk about Jordan Speed for the second, there was a very interesting um, video on the Golf Channel which looked at where Jordan Speed was last year and where he is this year in relation to the time over the ball mm. it's taking him to strike it. Behind, once, once he had put the club behind the ball, they started 2015 and 2016's clocks. He's now taking it on average... 12 seconds longer so he's now standing over the ball for in excess of 20 odd seconds before he pulls the trigger and that in itself they're saying you know and I, I and I think we can only take the experts on this that that means that there's indecision in his head mm. about the swing and it's less about target golf and more about swinging the golf club and that is where the difference is in 2015 it was quicker, it was about 12 seconds on average. Yeah. He was able to pick the target and he was swinging without thinking of the swing and the process of the swing. This looks like he's got longer time, at least another 10 to 12 seconds on top of what he was doing last year, which thinks to the pros much more likely that he's concerned about the swing mm. than rather the target. And when we're out playing you know, uh, on, on any, any tournament, but particularly you know, when you look at pros, playing the likes of the, the TPC Sawgrass, I'm guessing you don't want to be having swing thoughts no. when you're standing <coughs> on the 17th. Uh, Not you want to be able greens. to yeah. pick, pick the target and hit it. So it's something to watch. If, if you're watching this week in the US, you know, if you're watching the, any of the coverage, just have a look at quite how long Jordan Speed is taking. There's a lot more waggles going on than perhaps... Uh, you know, we've seen him, and he was never the quickest player anyway. But no. he's, he's certainly slowing it down even more. Um, just before we move on from the, the players, kind of a last thing, I just wanted like it was really impressive to see that Jason Day, who didn't have a really good record at, at TPC Sawgrass before, figured out a game plan on how to win this tournament. So he knew he wouldn't be able to hit his driver as much as he normally does because the fairways run out and they pinch in, they narrow in. So he knew he was going to have to hit his three wood and his two iron a lot. So he went off. Works like crazy on his two iron, locking that down as a, a shot to, to have for the week. And my God, he had that thing absolutely under control and to crazy distances as well. He was hitting 290 yard three irons. His 72nd hole, he hit a 308 yard two iron. Um, just really good game plan. You know, it shows that he, he said, What do I need to do to win this tournament? Figured it out, went off, practiced it, brought that game to it. 
he still led the field in driving distance even though he was using his two iron and his uh, his three wood off the tee a lot he where else was he I mean his short game then that's amazing he hits the ball so far he's going in with shorter clubs but he's then got an unbelievable short game and putter to, to tie in with that the game is just so fantastic at the moment I'd say the guys are looking at him going how do we beat this well, yeah, I, I think the, the putter was the really, really interesting bit because there was times that he was holding, like I'm thinking of the, and I can't think of which hole it was, but he was above the hole, the flag was at the front, water behind it. It's a lightning quick putt. Mm. And not only are they saying if he stops it within six foot or eight foot pass, it's an exceptional shot. It's gone straight in the front door. Mm. you know, And that wasn't a putt that he was lagging up. Like He was confident and and it just looks like a guy, he looks to me like a guy that now believes, you know, he talked to Tiger Woods previously, we, we, we've spoken about that before. He looks like a guy who's taking a lot of self-belief, that he's building himself and he's, he's, he's really growing into world number one. And mm. I am the best in the world and when I go to a tournament, I feel invincible. And I think that perhaps last week at the players, there was an element of, you know what, guys? I'm world number one. You're going to have to go beat me. This is my tournament. Yeah. yeah. And, and that can only give you confidence. And I think it would be very interesting to see how he gets on over the next couple of months at the at the other majors. Because if that's the Jason Day that shows up over the next couple of majors, he's going to put at least one, if yeah. not two of those, back into the uh, trophy cabinet at the end of the season. I completely agree. He's, it's fantastic to watch the moment. Uh, really is. It's just It's just so impressive. I love watching it. Well, seven wins from his last 17 tournaments and there's just no sign of that stopping right now. No, and, and, and maybe it's made easier by a few of the, the, the so-called bigger players not, not quite firing on all cylinders and we'll talk about uh, Rory McIlroy in a moment when we talk about the Dubai Duty Free Irish Open. But let's have a look at, and this is I suppose now Friday, so we're, we're in tournament mode as they say. But uh, the women are playing the Kingsmill Championship presented by the JTBC at the River Course at Kingsmill Resort in Williamsburg in Virginia. It's going to be played and is being played over the 6,379-yard par 71. Mingji Lee defends and this was uh, last year, Monday finished due to weather and rain delays in the final round. But um, I'm not sure we have <coughs> a little bit... Uh, of, of information from yesterday's opening round. Yeah, she's off to a very good defence of her title. She's sitting one shot off the lead, at, um, who which is held by Mika Miyazato. She's six under. And also in tie second is Brittany Lincecum. Uh, a further shot back then are Letitia Beck, Sandra Gall, Se-Young Kim, Jarena Piller, Jutan Nugarn, um, Fatlum, Caroline Masson, and Jennifer Song. Four under, very popular score, so... Uh, Quite a bunch of leaderboard there, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll keep keep an eye keep on it over the weekend. Re- review it again next week. So I suppose for for everybody in Ireland and and I suppose on the European tour, people who follow that, the Dubai Duty Free Irish Open, hosted by the Rory Foundation, is currently being played over the uh, the Palmer Ryder Cup course at the K Club in Straffan in County Kildare. It's over seven thousand three hundred and fifty yard par seventy two. And I suppose, because we have the benefit of both, you know, yesterday and today, it looks, with regard to the weather, that it's going to be a case of who's lucky enough to be on the right side of the draw on this. Yesterday morning was horrendous. So much so 
that the rain was coming down at such a pace that they actually felt that the greens were going to flood at one point. Um, afternoon dries up, beautiful sunshine, no wind to it. Well, a bit of a wind, but not anything I think these guys will be too concerned about. And unsurprisingly, the cream has kind of risen to the top of this so far. And the Masters champion, Danny Willett, is there. And uh, Rory McIlroy is, is right behind him. Right at the moment, live as we speak, Danny Willett is at uh, minus seven and, and Rory is minus six. They're going through the 11th and 12th hole at the moment. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting competition. Uh, it does look like t- this afternoon's weather is going to get worse. So perhaps for Danny Willett and Rory, they've had the best of the, the draw so far. Good, yeah, it'd be good to just get into the clubhouse and sit down. There's supposed to be a little bit of rain coming later on. A little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just just an Irish little bit. <laughs> just an Irish shower, yeah. We still haven't fully... We, we thought we'd reached summer, but we haven't. The April showers are a month late, so that's what, that's what we're going through at the moment. The course looks in beautiful shape. We're sitting here watching it right now, recording the podcast. Uh, the course looks lovely. By all reports from the pros, the greens are running beautifully. Um, just a little bit of sunshine would be nice. I think Sunday looks like it could be a nice day, so hopefully... You know, some beautiful pictures to go around the world for the Irish Open for once. It just seems like every time the Irish Open's on, we get some crappy weather here. Um, I'd say the Irish Tourist Board are just banging their heads off the table, wondering when we'll ever get a nice week of weather for the Irish Open. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, looking at Danny Willett, um, you know, this week, and I suppose there's been kind of questions over, you know, what kind of master champion he's going to be. Is he going to be a guy who wilts under the pressure of it or he's going to you know become an even better player than we know he already is and uh this is his first tournament proper tournament uh he played last week he, i think he yeah. did play last week but he was saying that he really hasn't practiced mm. he kind of turned up there very cold this is the first week where he's put a bit of effort on the driving range and on the uh, on the short game area and, and it, it, it's showing you know at 65 yesterday mm-hmm. you know he's he's striking the ball really well and he was just talking about how the putter, you know, kind of got a little bit warm around the turn yesterday and uh, putts started falling, but he gave himself the opportunity. And he certainly doesn't look like a man who's going to uh, wilt under the pressure of uh, being the Masters champion. No, he's been on a really good trajectory uh, for the last couple of years. He's a former world number one amateur, so there was always that question mark, like, why hasn't he really kicked on? But you know, he's been winning more, you know higher and higher profile tournaments over the last eighteen months, boosting his world ranking. And um, yeah, the great Masters victory, a really really impressive performance. I don't think he's going to go away. Um, he'll win more high profile tournaments, possibly another major. He he certainly has a phenomenal golf game. And we were speaking about him after the Masters as a a possible contender for one of those really tough battling tournaments like a U.S. Open or an Open Championship. And um, He's, you know, he's showing that he's still playing good golf, and you know the Open Championship is not uh, the U.S. Open's not very far away. Maybe four or five weeks now at this stage, and the Open Championship not long after. He could be one. He could be in there, the top ten, and maybe a chance to win. Let's talk about Rory for the moment because he is um, he is hosting this for the Rory Foundation, and he doesn't have a particularly great record at the Irish Open. But last week, his wedge play and his putter were pretty poor and fairly well away from where a guy of his standard standard would be wanting it this week on the other hand it seems to be getting a little bit better mm-hmm. you know we his long game and, and his iron play you know has been good 
and he's been let down with what looks like a really awkward putt putting stance putting grip it just it doesn't look comfortable it's not natural is it and maybe this week this, the greens are a little bit slower a, mm. lot, a lot slower I think to be fair than they were last week and uh, maybe that's where it's helping him a bit this week that they are slightly slower that it's, he feels more comfortable on them but is he going to be is this the kind of the Rory we're going to get now for a while which you know he has a good week with the putter he'll do well when it's not, he'll still scrape top 10, top 20s. You because know, his like long is so he, good. He's just that good a player. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it just it's interesting to see that he just doesn't always look that comfortable over putters at the moment in the short game. But this week uh, seems to be doing it. And um, yeah, what a better place to uh, to take a victory than his, uh, than his own tournament. And it would be great. It would be great because he's missed the, missed the cut in the Irish yeah. Open the last uh, the last three years. I mean, last year was the first year he acted as host of the tournament and said he probably overcommitted in terms of uh, you know, thing, things he was doing during the week, like to do with the media and the promotion of it, and you know, lost focus on the golf. And this year he's kind of tightened up that schedule. I mean, he's saying that his game isn't far off. We know it only takes probably you know some tiny little thing to click for Rory's game to just to go stratospheric and be unbeatable for a week. And if he's still knocking in these top tens, backdoor top tens, when he's not on his game, when he does, when he does click and have his hot week or two or a few weeks, he will win. No, no question about it. Uh, he just—he's never going to be one. We've we've talked about this before. Who's going to have that long, long-term consistency of like a stretch of you know six, eight, seven, eight weeks where he's, his game's going to be ticking along at an X level? He's going to have those weird weeks where things just don't happen. But then he's going to have those amazing weeks where he'll be untouchable. And I think that there's a reality now that there is simply no player in the world, regardless of which name you put forward, that will ever achieve what Tiger achieved, where he could win three, four, five weeks in a row. Mm. And I just don't see it. You know, it, it there isn't a player out there. You know, Jordan looked like he might do it last year that he he could win three or four in a row. But I think that they all have a few weaknesses that just shows quite the achievement that Tiger had to be able to go week after week after week winning tournaments. Yeah, I mean, Adam Scott won back-to-back earlier this year, nearly won three in a row, second, first, first. Um, they will all have their hot streaks, but I don't think any one player has that um, kind of fear and uh, intimidation factor that Tiger had back then. They just There's no single guy out there who's ahead of the field by that much. They all know I've got the game to beat any of these on any given week. That bubble's been burst. and We'll never see something like that again in golf. One guy is just so much further ahead of the rest of them. Uh, we, you know, we got to see something very special with Tiger, but we're also getting to see another very special thing in that there's so many guys can step up on any given week and win a tournament and put on an amazing display, and it's it's really exciting to watch. And I think that's the difference. The, the depth in, in, in the field is possibly as... as, as deep and as wide as it's ever been so look move on to the AT&T in the Byron Nelson it's the PGA Tour event this week it's being played at the TPC Four Seasons Resort in Texas this is Jordan Spieth's home course uh, in effect and it's being played over the 7,166 yard par 70 and uh, Stephen Bowditch defends the title and if we look at the current standings um, the Aforementioned Sergio from last week um, is having a superb round yesterday. Seven under, currently joint 
first with Danny Lee and uh, Johnson Wagner, both at seven under. It's again, it's a bunched, bunched leaderboard. We've got Jordan Spieth and Justin Johnson there, just one shot behind. Uh, ben Crane, James Han already Matt Kuchar there from last week, a further shot. So it's again, it's a very tight field, but it's only day one over in the States. But, um, you know, a few of the names again coming to the top. Um, the likes of your Dustin Johnson, you know, Jordan Spieth, Sergio. Sergio put a, an unbelievable round, you know, it was, it was just faultless yesterday. Um, lots lots of putts. He holds it like nearly a 60-footer for Eagle. But, you know, a lot, lot, lot of practice for the previous week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, look, you've got to do this to shoot a 63. You're going to hold a couple of big putts. And uh, I'd, I'd like to see Sergio win a tournament. You know, it feels like he's been quiet for, you know, somebody that talent has been quiet for too long without a, without a win. So... Um, he's a very likable guy in this stage. And knocking on the door over the season, you know, he hasn't been that far away. It's not like the Sergio of maybe two or three years ago where he was sinking without a stone or mm-hmm. just making cuts. He has been around. Um, I think everybody just, you know, I don't think he can have a bad thing to say about Sergio. I, I, I think he, he plays it in the right spirit. Um, whether he has the game for these types of tournaments over that of the majors is is the big question mark but getting a win and moving on this week would be you know mm-hmm. a step in the right direction and it's a uh, it's a confidence builder and you know we've a lot of the majors come thick and fast this year um there's only i think a couple of weeks between the uh the open championship and and the the PGA. Yeah, it's, um, it's just going to be, it's so going to come thick and fast, like you said. People who hit form and have the confidence mm. is going to, you know, maybe be able to ride into a couple of these majors and uh, really put something together. And Dustin Johnson there, just one shot behind, and another player that's been, you know, showing a good, decent bit of form this year. Um, Anybody there, Barry? Like, where is uh, uh, where is the defending champion at the moment? Bodic uh, on the back of a, just a horrific run of form this year. He's actually shot, come back to a place where he's had success last year, riding the good vibes. He shot two under on the day one, so he his his main target this week is make the cut and put in a couple of good rounds in the weekend and just try rediscover a bit of golfing form because he's just I think he's made only a couple of cuts since uh, the start of the year. Um, Oh, he's made three cuts uh, since the start of the year, and his best performance finish was forty first in Pebble Beach. So he just wants to get a good week under his belt and then go from there. So good start, day one, two under. Uh, go do it again on day two. They didn't quite finish the first round. There was rain delays to start the tournament, so uh, it's been a bit of a theme recently. It has, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's one of those days uh, while we watch Rory going left into the trees. Um, just, just, just trying to make a three hundred and forty yard carry across the corner. So not, look, not coming um, up short, too far short. I suppose it is a bit late this week, but it's I suppose a different type of format this week where we got to talk about actually what's going on live rather than necessarily what might be coming. We didn't give anybody the odds this week because it's in game, um, so you can find I'm sure the odds uh, on on your local bookmakers website if you wish. That leads me just to uh, thank Barry again and congratulate him on getting to, to single figures. If anybody is on the game golf system, again, follow us, get in contact, keep the contact going and the, uh, the chats going because it is a, a great format. That just leads me to thank you, the listeners, for downloading and listening to the podcast. All the tweets and the emails that we get at podcastgts, a good talk, spoiled at gmail.com. If you're playing this weekend, have a great round, enjoy it. If you're not and you're just watching it, 
enjoy that too. Make sure you catch as much of the Irish Open as you can because it is a superb course and well worth having a watch. We will talk to you at the usual time, hopefully next week around Tuesday, Wednesday. And uh, the very best of luck. Bye-bye, <laughs> 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 Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.